What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into yet another installment of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on another Friday to recap back in the win column for SIU and an enormous road win to to snap the undefeated Sycamores in the Missouri Valley. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, it was... And we'll we'll dive into it. More terrible starts, and we gotta dig our we dig ourselves a hole, get right back in it. But we were able to do it at a really high level in the second half, and this was easily one of the best wins of the year. What's going on? Yeah, absolutely. the The twenty minutes we were able to see in that second half, um, the adjustments defensively, and uh, the the offense using X off ball screens. I mean, that was elite basketball in those twenty minutes. And if you played that. I think you could run away from almost any team in the Valley, and especially um, it's crazy that they can just flip a switch like that. You wish you could see it from um, the start of the games. But, yeah, I mean, big win on the road to to uh, no more winless or no more undefeated team in the Valley. So that's, that's a big one that closes the gap back down to one game in the standings now. So that was a big win. Enormous win. We got some help. From some other teams as well, we'll dive into some of those games. Dive into other stuff, uh, like the usual. We I, we were tweeting recently about Cash Cupet, KVL Pippen in the G League. They faced off once again. We'll dive into that along with our first matchup against Illinois State. But no, you mentioned they were six and zero, and there was a stat because we listen to other podcasts. What was the stat that you remember that we heard earlier on a podcast on March of the Arch podcast they gave of teams that do go six and zero in the Valley? And historically, it had happened 15 times and historically and uh, 11 of those teams have went on um, to win the regular season title. And I think 12 go ahead and um, play in the NCAA tournament, which that doesn't mean they win the, the Valley tournament. It's just usually in the Valley, if you're winning the regular season title, you've had a pretty good year and you have a chance in a large bid. But um, that's a pretty, pretty insane stat. So. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Indiana State has a tough stretch coming up. Exactly. We'll dive into that uh, after the fact when we're done recapping the game. Yeah, historically, it is on their side. So, and, you know, they're obviously a good team. And, you know, we talked about, or I mentioned the last couple, and we've talked about a lot is, you know, they're they're really good, but they're they're clearly beatable. And mainly because – of who they had have gone through this year. I mentioned, you know, the the teams that they faced so far this year. And there's really like if they were building a resume and we talked about how they would have to go close to undefeated or one or two losses in the Valley, probably undefeated just with the fact that they're non-con and their resume isn't great just to get a two Valley or two bid Valley in the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, they haven't really beat anybody besides, you know, late November and early December really has, hasn't really gone their way in terms of some of these matchups. They've lost some games against Duquesne. They lost to uh, Northern Illinois at home. We talked about that was a really bad loss for them. And, you know, they've, and we'll talk about it in this game, they kind of get in their own way. And I think that could end up being the downfall of them, but they are, they are still so good. They're so well coached. And yeah, we just, I think we just got the best of them in this second half, but let's kick off how we mentioned how this first half started. Absolutely awful. I mean, you couldn't have gotten – I mean, there was – Marcus had a fast break layup that got us on the board whenever 
and about a minute went by and there was nothing, nothing there was to and pregame stuff. There's nothing uh, that there was mentioned on the radio. There was the same starters again. We'll get into one of these starters and one of them missed the shot. Trent did. And uh, after Julian Larry matched Marcus's layup when it was two to two and know this run they went on, it was led by Cam Henry hit a three. McCauley had hit four Oh run. Uh, and then McCauley had a jumper. So 11, the two to start out with terrible. JD had a layup that was assisted by X. That was a nice one of JD's hook shots once again. And then Julian Larry got a couple free throws and we'll dive into him. No, he clearly, he was player of the week. He's now starting for them. We talked about how they haven't really, Cam Henry has been kind of their point guard. Cooper Nice, as we know, didn't play against us at our place, did in this game. Uh, so they've moved Larry to the starting five, been playing great. And he didn't play great against us in the first matchup. I don't recall he's played well against us in his career. And we have the guard play to maybe stymie him a little bit. He played fine, but he did have free throws. And Noah, a Dalton three. And I feel like, and you can dive into this because it's happened in recent games, and you could take us here a little bit through the play-by-play. It was matched after his three. But it seems like Dalton, as soon as he hits a three – like our momentum swings in our favor and we're out of a funk and next thing you know, we're running just a little bit. It wasn't so much in this moment, but no, we climbed back just a little bit and it really is sometimes led by a Dalton three that gets the team going. Yeah. I mean, for a team that loves to shoot the three ball, they haven't been shooting at a very good clip and it happened at the Murray game where once Dalton hit one, it felt like everybody else could start hitting theirs and it happened. And, um, I think the Drake game at home as well. So back-to-back games there where he's hitting them and everything seems to start falling. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, a Robbie, Avila matched it right away. Um, Then Troy got a jumper. Then Julian answered that one back and forth a little bit here. Um, Got to see Scotty early in this game. Limited playing time in this one, but thought it was pretty effective in the ones he – played um he went one of two from the line then he got fouled again uh went oh of two but um good to see him using his strength to get to the line he's not a bad um free throw shooter i probably i would take him over jd and um clarence at this point shooting free throws uh trenton gibson who he hits a couple here they made it 24 to 12 with 933 left then mccauley hits one to make it 15 27 the 12 um, with 901 left and that that 15 point mark was the biggest of the first half and we thought at that moment we were sunk and it's like you know I remember tweeting at halftime or we were talking and I said you know this you know so far this year we've been a second half team we'll see that happens but you know for it to get to this point you mentioned Gibson couple threes I mean they were wide open I mean their ball movement is crisp I mean they're you mentioned threes. They put up – we didn't think anybody put up more threes than us, a game or on the season, and they have. They're one of the tops in the country. So they're going to fire them. And the fact that I mentioned their you know, their ball movement – and our defense was good. We were rotating just fine, but they were just finding the extra pass for guys, and that's how it was going. And the first with Kips in those first three, yeah, they're moving him to the bench. And he did come in and get going. You mentioned Scotty and – uh, Brian did say before the game or his pregame that because Mike finally, you know, thankfully asked about Scotty and said how, you know, are we going to are we going to see Scotty again or something like that? And Brian, at first, like it just seemed like the way he answered it was like, you know, yeah. Um, and then he said that he's still trying to get in shape and blah, blah, blah. So it was OK. We might not see him. We didn't see him. And you and I, obviously, uh, 
And I feel like, we, and we felt like with Robbie, it could be a decent matchup for him. But he's he, in three minutes. He's played two of the last three games. I mean, they've been impactful. He was mentioned the bad pass to him with Drake, but he almost, he went after a loose ball. And then this game, Noah. I mean, he does get fouled, and the second time he got fouled was could have been an easy dunk for him, but he got fouled. And I'm and I know we talked, and you said it might have been clean from behind. It seems like how can anyone block him from even behind? But he was about to yam it. Got fouled, and yeah, went one of four from the line. His second one, the first set of free throws rolled in, and then he missed the next two. But no, he also had a block on the backboard against Larry on the other end. I mean, for a team that is not uh, block shots at all, we're one of the lowest in the country, definitely at the lowest of the conference. Clearly, that's going to be great to have, you know, and he's such a spark plug and knowing that we're not going to see K clearly, and Brian said it, like, in that pregame. We need to – Scotty needs to play. So we're hoping – you know, it gets gradually bigger as time goes on here. I think it's a great time for him to play tomorrow, uh, but more than just three minutes the last two of the last three games. So slowly but surely we'll see him more in games because that was very impactful, just two shot attempts and free throw attempts, and then um, that block, just incredible. Hoping we could see more, but you're right. As soon as they got to that huge lead, and I see Jason Kent up here making a three and, and or missing a three, and we'll dive into it. He is still the same kind of player that he was last year with Bradley, really underwhelming. And then I saw X turnover, and I think the biggest gripe, he was great in this game. The biggest gripe seems like I have with X is he's throwing the ball out of bounds because he's throwing it whenever guys feel like they're not open and they're swimming down to, to just, you know, not get it. And But X is already throwing it no matter what, and it goes out of bounds. That happens way too much. But that happened along with this. And then Marcus had a layup to cut at the third team. X went one of two from the line, his only miss of the game. And then – and Jason Kent had a layup here. You know, these are – he'll make the easy shots, no doubt about it. Lance had a three here, Noah, cut it to 11. And and before long here, before the end of the first half, Brian did mention that the momentum we had at the end of the first half, it carried into that second half. And Cam Henry was getting what he wanted. Uh, you know, Dalton hit another three after Larry hit a jump shot. So that cut it to 10. And then Cam went one of two from the line. And then there were, uh, Trent Gibson had a layup, and it was 11 points. And then Lance went one or two from the line, and that's how it ended. But, I mean, no, I see Zach Hobbs came in here, missed a three. So, like I said, the momentum was kind of on our side. Thankfully, did some free throws. And, you know, their free throw shooting hurt them at the end of the game, kind of hurt them at the end of this half. Um, and then, uh, like, we didn't see Scotty, of course, the rest of the game. Troy had a block in this game, though. He had a, another one of these bad turnovers. Troy was great. We'll dive into that in the second half. but. Any other takeaways from how this run happened with us in the end of the first half? And you can dive into how it looked at the at halftime when I remember saying that, you know, it's another manageable halftime deficit, another one out of the five of the last six games and how we cut that into that deficit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, being able to cut it to 10, I mean, on the road, it's going to be tough to win on the, in the Valley anyhow, but um, spotting teams points like we are right now, um, be able to knock it. To get it down to 10, um, it's doable um, because once we turn up our defense, make some small adjustments, um, it really works for us. Um, but at halftime, I mean, led the way by Lance. He had eight points. He was two of six from the field. He was three or four from the line. Um, love seeing Lance get to the line. I think he needs to play downhill more often. Um, we ended up shooting a bunch of free throws, making more than they attempted by a lot in this game. But Want to see our guys get the line. Got to see Lance lead the way. Dalton Banks was six at half. 
two of two from three. Um, him be able to – he's worked on his shot and be able to knock down shots. And um, six points and a half is what you probably think – a lot of people think we should get out of Trent Brown, but um, just not knocking down any shots. Marcus only had four points at half. Um, 0 of 3 from 3. He has been very poor from the three-point line this year, um, along with the rest of the team, basically. But um, Troy came in, played a little bit, did not look too bad. JD was solid in his limited minutes in that first half, but um, very important to be able to stay in this game, cut it to 36-26 uh, Sycamore lead to be able to make adjustments and uh, um, come back in this game. Yeah, 10 free throws reshot, and that was a, another one of these chaotic games with Indiana State, and we'll get into in the, in the second half what happened with free throws and the fact that there were so many, you know, a lot of bad foul calls, so it led to us shooting a lot of free throws, and we were really good in the second half. We were shooting 39% in the first half, and you mentioned J.D. came in and played well, and he, and he did because, as we recall, talking, I, I think I mentioned it on the preview that, and we were talking that we didn't clearly didn't have JD and Scotty in the first matchup. And, um, you know, their physicality with Robbie, could we saw, you know, Cade McKnight come into the game here. And, uh, which by the way, I wanted to look, I don't even know if Calix Stevens played in this game. No, I didn't look at the final box score. He just hit my mind of thinking of their backup bigs. We'll get to another player that didn't play, but so it was really just a Robbie led thing. And he's, you know, and he's rightfully so he's playing great and he's getting a lot of minutes, but I think that had a lot to do with, a lot of runs in this game was having those big boys out there and kind of being physical with Robbie. Robbie still got his, no doubt, but uh, I think it definitely played a factor. You mentioned Marcus's threes. I feel like every time he shoots them, he's tired. There was definitely one, whether it was here or in the second half, where chaos was ensuing. He was tired going back and forth, and he just shot a contestant one at the top of the key, and it was short. I knew it right away because he just looked like he, he was tired. And I didn't mention it in the play-by-play because it's the only points he ended up with, but we did see Jawan – jump out of his you know the athleticism that we thought he lost and he still has lost he still has some but no he was on a fast break and thinking he was going to lay it in and I think he had a trailer behind him obviously whoever was on defense thought he was going to get blocked off the board but then he no I mean he had a dunk that we honestly were not expecting I didn't see how hot clearly he got high enough off the off the ground uh, from the high angle of the camera from Holman Center you can't really tell but no he got up and that's he only scored two and those were his only two, which is unfortunate, but that caught us off guard and the team was all over it in the moment. And then in the locker room after the game, that was definitely surprising. Yeah, most definitely. We know, um, we've talked about multiple times where he's kind of not the same player because of the knee injury. And that's why we were surprised when we got him, um, in the off season, but yeah, him showing that ability, um, if he can, if he's getting healthier and be able to do that and be able to change some games, get out on the fast break for this team, it can help this team a lot. I think he got, he, he's gotten on the fast break a lot this year on steals or something. He's been really successful at it and he's still setting charges doing his thing. We want more from him, but yeah, it was interesting seeing that. And he is one of our best transition players, I would say. Uh, but yeah, we were tied at 14 rebounds a piece and we did have seven turnovers to their five in the first half. Uh, which was a lot, and that was really thanks or to a lot in the uh, first half of the first half. But how the half went off or started off, uh, had it here. Lance had a three, 
and which was great to see because we mentioned some of the other players that weren't shooting well from three that something had to spark right away and we got the ball out of half again and people were apparently commenting that they're making a big deal about Marcus joking with the uh, one of the referees before half before the second half started and if that got into our favor in the second half which is ridiculous but Lance did have a three to, to start off with so cut it to seven. First off, one of two from the free throw line go ahead. I was just going to say, first off, there was uh, – Dalton started for Trent in the second half. Yes. So, that, yeah. was, a, that was a quick lineup change. Um, didn't start off really. Had a turnover really quick like. But um, Trent played, what, four minutes in the first half, did not play the rest of the game. So, um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, yeah, Lane's starting off really good. I'm glad you said that because we did notice it, and it needed to happen. Yeah, we'll dive in the trend again. That's nine minutes played in the last few games, so something needs to happen with that. But um, McCauley had a three that cut it back over double digits with 11. So a lot of – I'd say, I mean, almost, you know, two and a half minutes get off the clock at that point. I feel like we were kind of skittish. Dalton had a turnover that Larry stole, but it led to a McCauley three. And, Noah, he's definitely a villain of the league because – he did it, and I haven't watched a whole lot of Indiana State's other games to an extent. And for some reason, he maybe it's because the way we're guarding him. You know, Lance was face guarding him a lot. Lance was the main defender on him in this game. Um, but no, I mean, every time he's doing anything, I mean, he's staring at the bench, staring at Brian. He's yelling. He's he's like I said, a villain of the league. And last game he backed it up. And in some games, we know he had a technical in the last game as well that. I think we made free throws. It didn't matter in the end, but it can matter in certain games. It's going to matter against these other top half teams that are going to be playing if he, if he plays like that because they barely even, you know, had the opportunities because those teams won't, you know, uh, will make him pay for those stupid kind of things. So, like I said, no, a villain of the league, I don't know. He must have something against us because I feel like he – I don't know if you've seen other games of theirs so far this year, but it seems like he only does it against us. He's got it out for us or something. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I've seen a couple other games, and he's it's not to the extent it feels like in this game, and it got chippy, kind of chippy here in this second half. There was a technical. Yeah, Josh, two here. Yeah, Josh Shirts got a tech. Um, so pretty crazy. I mean, if he's going to act like that, I can't wait to watch him on Sunday against Donovan Clay because um, I'd hate to piss off and talk crap to Donovan Clay. Yeah, Don's not going to put up with that, so – Clarence did have a layup. Clarence has been struggling on offense the last couple games. But like we said, I mean, if we're winning, it doesn't really matter what anybody's doing to an extent. But he did have a layup here. Dalton had a jump shot, so cut it to seven. McCauley hit that second three. Back to ten. Marcus went one of two from the line, one of his few misses, uh, which is unacceptable from him. We mentioned how he's not making threes, but you better make the free throws. And the X had a steal. But that's what they were doing, though. They, and this was – Marcus had four free throws in a row, and that was – was this the point? I know you just said that with the technical with Josh, yes. he hit four straight. They cut it to five. He finished an and one, or I thought he got fouled, didn't shoot the two yet. Technical on shirts. Marcus made the first two and then made the first and made the next two on the shooting foul. So clearly that's huge. And there were points when I was tweeting, I think it was right after this, whenever uh, this happened. So we cut it to five. Nothing was happening until we – Clarence got a steal off the inbounds and then Marcus and then he gave it to X and then X hit Marcus on a nice pass. And what's his name said it on the broadcast. And I agreed with him in the moment because I knew it was going to happen too. He said once Marcus, because he hadn't really done anything, but these free throws could get him more confidence moving forward in the half. 
And I agree because you can just tell on this next play when X did hit Marcus, he was being a little too aggressive getting in the paint and hit Cam Henry for an offensive foul. Maybe a iffy, iffy call, but just the fact that it happened, overly aggressive. And and then there was chaos. Marcus turned it over, which he had a terrible turnover at the start of the game. Had another one here. And then um, – and I think this is whenever I said that he was tired and then missed the straight-on three that was short – and then we turned it over again for and then TV timeout ensued. But no, it was had so many opportunities here. And this happens in every single game where you cut it, you get the break with the technical and the four straight free throws, and then you get all these opportunities and can't cut into it anymore. Luckily, there was still tons of time left. But uh, no, I mean, that, that's been the name of our season so far is not taking advantage in moments. We can easily have more wins than we do. Take us through some of this other ones when Lance had a layup to cut at the three. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we've, we've seen it. We saw it last Saturday um, where we cut the lead down to two and we just run out of gas and we go on our own little uh, dry spell and we can't make anything. But, yeah, Lance makes a, makes a layup there. Um, good pass by Marcus. Cut it, cut it to three. McCauley misses the three. Um, back and forth. Robbie gets a layup, um, makes it a five-point lead. Clarence gets fouled by Robbie. Um, he goes one of two from the line to cut it back to four. Um, both teams go in a little bit of foul fest. Um, no points scored here. Missed three by Trenton Gibson. Uh, missed jumper by Marcus. Back and forth. Not really any scoring till the 10:33 mark, where Lance hits a. Uh, I believe this might have been a corner three to cut it to one. Um, right before um, getting to a timeout, or right after a. A media timeout, he hits one in the corner, assisted off of Troy. Um, an offensive foul on McCauley, pushed off. And this is when we really start kind of try to take control of this game with a pass to J.D. from X um, to take the lead with 9.47 left, 46-45. And Larry missed a free throw, which was huge in those one-on-ones. Yeah, the team's gotten the bonus, both of them, around this time. He said if he calls a lot of the time, but yeah, Lance's corner three looked like it had no chance of going in from the TV view. It looked like he was gonna just hit the front of the rim or hit the side of the backboard, but it ended up going in. Thankfully, yeah, cut it to one, and then JD did have a nice offensive move. We talked about he kind of had a floater in the first half. X has been finding uh, uh, JD a lot recently, and we could tell when X is hitting good passes. And making a play here, we'll talk about in a second. And obviously, his free throws—he's obviously a dynamic player uh, that we've been needing over all this time. But he, JD, there—you're right. We grabbed our first lead of the game. Besides when we were up two nothing at the very start, X hit those free throws up three. So we're saying, okay, get some stops. Cam Henry turned it over. Lance missed a three. Kind of a—we talked about like the heat check kind of threes. It was one of those that ruined a possession, but they kept missing and. I talked about in the first half, you know, their ball movement was good and and they were doing that in the second half, but they just weren't making their shots. Our defense obviously, you know, uh, was great at this point to, you know, force these misses. And then X went and made two more free throws. So we're up by five at the eight minute mark. And I mentioned, let's see here. I, I want to say this is the point whenever Troy blocked Cam, it might've been later, Troy blocked Cam and then, Cam tried to save it. He threw it off of Trent Gibson's leg out of bounds. So that saved a possession. So Troy was great. Yeah, that's his second block, I think it was. And just they put – and Brian mentioned they put him on Cam in the second half, and it worked out big time. So those X free throws. And then Robbie 
had another layup. Troy, this was Troy's layup. Noah, when I said X, when he's in a zone, he's hitting guys, and he hit Troy on a backdoor reverse layup that Troy finished. Fantastic. And then and then Troy had a foul, and then TV timeout came. Trenton Gibson made both of his free throws. Lance turned it over that Robbie stole. I mean, Noah, I want to say well, there was a point in this game, whether this was it or not, whenever Lance was going at Robbie, and then there was the the jump ball that Robbie stole and saved it inbounds, I think, or they called a jump ball on it either or because they got away with that. Didn't the call didn't happen earlier in the game? Uh, take us through if that was that play. If not, Robbie then hit a three. Noah, that honestly barely even touched the net as it went through, and then X had a had a jumper on the other rim, which like which he then went at Robbie the next possession. X was on fire. Yeah, X really got going in the second half. This was his only field goal of the game. Um, to, to retake the late 54-52. Jason Kidd, offensive foul on the other end. Um, then Lance turned it over with an offensive foul. Cameron Henry with a missed layup. Back and forth, a little sloppiness here in this little stre- two-minute stretch. Um, ended up a, ended up the, uh, the non-scoring streak, ended up with a, a Cooper Nice two free throws, fouled by J.D., they tie it back up 54 54. Marcus gets a layup. Um, it was an and one right after that. 57 54 led us into a 30 second timeout. And X gets a steal. Lance missed another three. It was a probably it was a poor three. Um, gotta gotta have better better shots in this kind of game when it's tied late. Um late lead. You gotta gotta take advantage of these um these turnovers by them off a of Cooper Nice turnover. You can't shoot a bad three like that. Um, Cooper gets a and one on the other end just to tie it back up. 57-57. Back and forth a little bit. Lance answers that off a of steal by Marcus. 59-57 with 2.42 to go. Um, let us into a 30-second timeout after that steal and jumper by Lance. This is when Cam Henry was kind of losing his cool – uh, he got taken out at one point. He looked like he was mad at Josh or mad at something. And I mentioned he was he was turning it over, and he he tried to force a shot when Marcus did have a block. He was straight up blocked him and grabbed the rebound. And then you mentioned the steal. Cam just seemed like he was trying to, you know, just doing a little too much at that point. Um, and you're right. And this is when I – because I, I tweeted at the time. I deleted it because it was wrong. It was – I messed up on it, but – Clearly, Marcus will miss, and by the way, Marcus is – I mentioned the defense right there. It was awful at the start of the game. The whole team was, but Marcus's was on an, almost an all-time high in the first half, watching guys get layups and just getting beat. He, he was on – who was he on the to start the game on? Um, I don't recall. Cameron. So I was thinking about matchups, and right, and they put Marcus on Cameron for, for some reason to start one of their, their second best player. But again, Macaulay and Cam are, you know, those kind of hotheads that can ruin games for them, but getting their own head and forced turnovers. Other than that, it's technicals. But yeah. He did have that. Marcus did have that steal. And then X two more free throws. I mean, he was nothing but net from those. Robbie had layups whenever we were up by four. It's okay. Let's get a stop and maybe we can end this game. And then Robbie had one that cut it two two. So we had to, you know, obviously go down and get, get a possession or they don't have a solid possession out of the out of our timeout. And Marcus did have a layup. Troy made a couple free throws, and we mentioned just his play. He plays really good in that arena. We remember the shot he had last year and his his great defense, and this one is reverse layup, and then his two made free throws. 
which on the broadcast, John Rooney, he does Cardinal radio games, was calling him Tony all game. They uh, were messing up a lot of other stuff. But, Noah, this was the point I wanted to touch on this real fast, and I'll have your thoughts on it. You can take us out the rest of the way. Um, we remember in the last game, a reason why we lost is because we went small at the very end. And I mentioned not having Scotty and JD. It didn't matter then. It didn't matter in, at this point because obviously they're out of the game. But, no, we went back to having Troy at the five, Marcus at the four, and even you could flip-flop at Marcus at the five is whenever they beat us last game because we tried to do the same thing when it was a close game and we couldn't get stops because they were getting offensive boards. And I, I, it hit that in me in the moment that hopefully it doesn't bite us again because I just – you know, Cam – somebody missed and Cam got an offensive foul that he – that he uh, offensive board and got fouled and then missed the free throws. But, no, that hit me in that moment hoping – I wonder if it hits you as well thinking that it was the same reason why. Couldn't go small because Robbie was going to kill us and they were going to end us, but thankfully it wasn't. So take us out. Your thoughts on that and take us out the rest of the half. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I thought um, Troy was playing so good in the second half. You wanted him probably in that closing lineup, but um, with a lead, you probably best off going that lineup. I mean, Troy hits a couple free throws here at the end. Um, but yeah, you don't want to you don't want to go small with a guy like Robbie. I'm I'm sure probably Troy guarded Robbie at some point in high school. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't really want to go small, but with JD with our big situation with free throws, you don't want to end up with a lead, late lead, probably best off going small in this one. But yeah, back and forth here. I mean, it really Troy knocking down free throws and X was huge. Um, I think he knocked down four free throws here. Um, late in this game to make it a 69-61 game. Um, really important road win. I mean, Troy was big in this one. X um, in the second half, those two really helping us close out this game in big moments. I mean, pretty pretty crazy um, to see. I mean, the, the second half swing, outscoring them 43-25. Um, what we're doing in the second half to team just unreal. What we did against Belmont holding them – what we did against Drake, and now um, the second halves, we just let one go at you and I. But this second half against um, the, the leader in the Valley so far was a big win, um, getting a closeout win. Troy, like I said, Troy, without Troy and X in the second half, what they did, um, it doesn't happen. Yeah, an enormous game. Again, I think it's just – it shows – and we're not going to be able to get away with it all the time. We've gotten away with it, and we're four. We were four and one in this five game stretch, that you know led to it had a lot of second half spurts. I mean, yeah, you mentioned the way we're able to do it against Belmont was enormous. Ended up winning by eighteen, and getting an eight point win here is huge. And you know, reason for that was I mean, we out we shot seventeen more free free throws than they did. I mean, I think we were we were five of ten at halftime, and ended up twenty four of thirty one. Thanks to X. And thanks to those couple by Troy. So free throws in this game, 40 combined fouls. I mean, this game was circled amongst a lot of people about being like a matinee of the evening of other games. You know, Tuesday and Wednesday had games. So this was the game of the week uh, of, of this stretch of games. And, and it was. And it was just one of these crazy ones. And just so glad to get the win because it sets up just a potential rubber match just down the road in March if it were to fall that way. And Noah, quickly, or we'll go through the stats and we'll talk about the road Indiana State has here. Um, went through some more of those about, and I think, let's go, Clarence, I think he had 11 minutes the last two games. He did have three points, three rebounds. His role is kind of diminishing in a way, and he's he's versatile and it's weird. 
that he can fit better in these games. That just shows you how great JD is playing. And if you put Scotty in here, that's just a three, a great three man tandem, a big and keep it the same way. You know, we've been winning like this. Talk about how they wanted JD to start this season. I'm not sure what the role was for Clarence at the start. If JD was healthy right away, who knows? Clearly we don't see K this season. Clarence is obviously fine. He's like I said, he's struggling on offense. He's going to get back into it. His defense is subpar. That's where JD and Scotty fall for Clarence, but he only played 14 minutes, two shots. Marcus, yeah, four or 14, not great from the field. He left a lot to be desired. I mentioned how he could have 1,500 or more points right now if he was able to finish at the rim this season. Heck, all of his career would be at 1,800 right now. Who knows? But, yeah, 0 for 5 and 3, not good. He did end up with the 14 and 7 rebounds, and he was 6 of 7 from the line. Decent game for Marcus in 37 minutes, and – when he came out of the game, it was actually at the whenever we were down almost by ten. It was like again, it, you take him out at times when we need points, but I guess it was like seven or you know six seven minutes at what that point. And you do need to take him out when he's tired, and you should be able to tell when he is tired. So he led us some minutes, but Lance was right behind him. Lance shot six of seventeen. He didn't. He only missed one free throw as well. Three of nine from three. Eighteen points to lead us, as you said. I mean, I mean. We remember the last game, it was his points were thanks to him making free throws, and that's with X, who had 13, and 11 of those points were from the line. You mentioned one of two field goals they set up after the post game that they never had anybody on the player of the game that only made one free throw or shot twice. But that's just, you know, like I said, however it happens, however it happens. But he had four assists in this game. Noah, dive into the rest of other ones that stuck out to you. Our bench has been playing great in this game. And, oh, let's talk. I'll get your thoughts on Trent again. We're talking about him now that it's nine minutes. He hasn't scored in six games, even though he is getting decent looks from three. And we talked about he he said he was going to get better at it. He hasn't. Nine combined minutes. No, he'll see the first action, get a shot up, and then not play again. And I guess that means that he can't even trust the defense at the end of games in important games, that they're just straight up sitting him. And it questions, do you make a move there? Do you just not play him at all? Clearly, you want to maybe keep them in the starting five to keep things going how they are. But, no, what are your thoughts on that? Because it seems like we could probably just go without him not playing at all. But we know how, how you know, I'm trying to leave the word in cheer. Like, if he hits a three, we know how great, how big that can be in the moment. Yeah, like I like I said when we were talking about halftime stats, uh, Dalton Banks was the one, two of two. You thought that would be um, Trent Trent this year. I mean, you, you always feel like he talked about it in his – interview a couple of weeks ago about him probably um, going to snap out of it, but you would expect a guy like um, with his capability to snap out of it at some point. I mean, Foster wonders in two minutes was zero of two at the end of the first half. And this one um, didn't get to see any more playing time after the, after those two minutes, but those are two guys that you expect to come in um, and knock down those shots. But yeah, I mean, in, in those four minutes, you're starting him. I'm not sure why at this point we can, I mean, you're struggling to start games anyhow, and a guy that can't find any rhythm, it feels like you need to maybe maybe it's a – I mean, second half you start adult, and maybe that's the answer. A lot of us probably think maybe Jawan should get the opportunity, um, but you need to try something. I mean, maybe I, I discussed, and we have a Saluki group chat on Twitter, that maybe it's time that JD gets a start over Clarence, and they somebody just said, well – you can't do that. Clarence is a dog. I'm like, his production is down. Maybe it's time to him coming off the bench with all the energy he uses. Maybe that's a plus. Maybe Trent coming off the bench playing sparingly. Maybe that's where 
he finds a role in this team because we need it because we're struggling to start games. So I don't see why you wouldn't try to make an adjustment. I don't expect to. A lot of people think that Trent Brown is Brian's golden boy and he's just going to continue to start. But um, Brian's showing he's not really a golden boy. He may start, but he's only playing four minutes a night. Exactly. And it, you said it with, you know, the, if the team starting slow, Trent honestly can make it worse. If he's not hitting and he's not really, we noticed, in the, you know, on Wednesday night, he's, he's, his defense isn't really, you know, all cracked up to what it has been. He's had really good defensive moments this year, but on top of not scoring, like if you're going to play, you need to score. And I know we talked about, you know, guys have their different impacts and games, but four minutes ain't going to get it done. And I mentioned how if you, if he hits a three at a certain point when he does get these great looks, I think it's just in his head at this point now, clearly. And we know how big of a leader he is. But if he hits a three, it can be a big moment in the game that can swing things, and then maybe he plays a little bit more. But I think over the course of – even before he's been struggling, like I said, six games, I think this is kind of how it's happened anyway. He'll sub in and out with maybe – but Dalton's you know, starting to play a lot more than Trent, clearly, and even at the end of games before he was struggling. But exactly, I think he can make it worse if he – and Brian does love him because the defensive potential is there and he can hit a three for the same reasons we all know. But, um, yeah, whether that's moving, it's the whole thing, again, of if you want to mess something up. But I feel like it can do things for individual players. Like, if you're winning, then okay, then maybe you're not doing anything. But you mentioned it. Yeah, Clarence is – that's the thing. Especially if you're only going to play Scotty two minutes, you can afford to have J.D. start and then to where – I think because I think if J.D. starts – because Clarence hasn't been scoring. If J.D. starts, I don't think we have these slow starts because he's better defensively and he's scoring around the rim. He honestly can make it better. But you're right. I don't think we'll see any changes in that. So uh, we have three guys in 30 minutes. It was good to see Troy get 20 elites, you know, his typical, you know, glue guy self of six points and two blocks, assists, four rebounds in those 20 minutes and perfect from the line. Yeah, JD twenty one. He was good again. We talked about Scotty and Foster's combined five. Yes, yeah, Foster's gonna usually hits those threes and keep shooting them, man. And they said on the broadcast that's why he's in. And whenever we're down this low, he had a great game against Indiana State in the last one. It needed to happen in this one. Everyone was tweeting how he should be in the game, and he should have. That's someone you can just throw in the starting five and just know that well, he's gonna hit the threes. Trent can, and Foster's got obviously. Capable enough defense. Like I said, he is our best player, Marcus is, but we saw some terrible moments from him. But yeah, Jawan again, he did have that dunk and he'll set like like momentum changing, momentum swinging like charges and stuff. So he'll do like the dirty work like that. He's he's doing really well on defense. Definitely need more than two points and one shot in 17 minutes. So that's how it's been over the last month or more with Jawan. He needs to break out of that at some point here. Other than that, I mean, yeah, Dalton with eight points was good. He's starting to come around. Like I said, he'll have like a five-game great stretch and then a five-game terrible stretch. Hopefully he can snap out of that. On Indiana State side, Gibson had 10 points off the bench. He was good. He came in on Marcus at times, and he is a big body, but Marcus needed to score on him. We're saying that at the time. Jason Kent, 20 minutes, two points, two shots. I mean, he saved us a couple possessions. He couldn't catch the ball in rebounds. He couldn't catch the ball in passes. Like I said, he's kind of just the same player he was at Bradley where he's He's got the perfect traits to be a really, really good player, but he doesn't use them all, and he's not really – I don't know. He he's just struggles a lot, and it's weird. He's still a young player, and he's fitting in. He used to start, and they took him out. But we ended up shooting 40 – we almost – both teams shot about 41 42%. We shot 23 from three. They shot 35. But, again, those free that free throw margin, they only shot nine of 14. Um, 
Stats or other stats, I just want to look at rebounds. We out rebounded them and ended up by eight, and we had six offensive boards. So that was great. And we ended up with one less turnover than them. So overall, we were four and a half point dogs in this game. I think I mentioned that. And for the 135, no, I mentioned it because it was right on the dot in the UNI game of 126. If I do this, mad, this is 130. So it just missed the over under. They've been getting close with that. But yeah, I mean, let me get some quick quotes from Brian here before we move on. Um, he did say, quote, we had to make them a little more uncomfortable, increase our ball pressure, increase our physicality, and take care of the ball in the second half. Our toughness guarding the paint in the post really increased, and we didn't allow them to get a lot of easy cuts and easy post-ups. We knew we could. We knew if we could get stops, we'd be able to push the ball and get some momentum offensively, end quote. And, yeah, because the first game they were cutting out in front of us. They did play five guys out with Robbie and getting easy backdoor looks, and we were stopping that in the second half, no doubt. So we were on a 19-4 to run at one point, and I wanted to look again real fast. What we outscored them in the second half, 43-25, to 18-point swing there. So fantastic game to give the Sycamores their first conference loss. And again, you know, they we now split with them, and their only two good wins on the year are Drake and us by a combined five. But no, we, st- we know they're still good. And dives through now with the start of this game against us, what they have coming up to where they can easily fall down the standings a little bit. Yeah, after Wednesday, I mean, this weekend, um, they're on the road at Missouri State. Then they have a home game against Bradley. Then they get to make a trip down to Murray State. Then they get to go to Drake. So on a Saturday, they have on a Saturday night, they have to go down to Murray State, go back to Terre Haute, then on a Tuesday – Short trip, they have to go all the way to Drake. Then they come back at home and play Northern Iowa. I mean, if they don't, I mean, we just talked. We talked about, um, we talked about it today. That if I would have told you a couple weeks ago before our uh, Valley play um, really, um, really start, really, really restarted. If I would have told you we would have went four and one in our five game stretch. Um, we would have been thrilled. I mean, we were optimistic. We thought if we went three and two, um, we'd be in a good standings. But yeah, seeing when their stretch, um, with their stretch, um, it's crazy. Um, and we'll see what it. We'll see what happens. I mean, if they lose this weekend, um, I expect them to bounce back at home if they lose this weekend. But they got a tough stretch. We just made it through our stretch at four and one. So we'll see what happens. Um, then other games recently in the Valley we'll go through here. Um, obviously on Tuesday night, um, Belmont traveled to Valpo. Wasn't even close in that one. 74 59 uh, freshman Gallip- Jacoby Galipsy, 15 points and six assists off the bench um, to help him in that one. Kobe King scores his thousand points, 17 points for him in that one. Um, Valpo just really not going to, be a factor at all in this conference this year. Um, Lodich is probably on the hot seat. I think I've seen Paul Oren do a hot seat, maybe article today. I think I've seen Drake went on the road to UIC. Um, first trip to Chicago for them was a rough one, but they escape in overtime. 76-71, Tucker DeVries, 15 points in this game to help them win. I mean, they had a lot of guys. Roman Penn had 15 Brody had 14, Sturt at 12 and 10, Wilkins only six points in this one. 
a lot of a lot of their scoring coming from their starters recently their bench is um not good like we talked about after they played us but Toby Akani really good in this one he's going to be a matchup problem when we play them um 18 and 5 for him 8 of 10 shooting so really effective Jace Carter 14 8 in that one so uh UIC giving Drake a battle but fall at home uh Murray State traveled to UNI 75 67 uh UNI stays hot they've won um I think four in a row now so 23 points by Bowen Bourne. He is starting. If they continue to be hot and he they finish top three in the Valley, um, I think he could be player of the year easily. Rob Perry staying hot as well, 22 points for him. Um, then on Wednesday night, Bradley beats Evansville at home by 45. I mean, talking about not being a factor in the Valley. Um, they may have a chance to win this weekend, but um, Evansville – very bad. I think they were without a couple players in this one. Uh, Gabe Spinelli um, and Saku Kale um, day-to-day right now, I think, with injuries. Then Missouri State um, goes on the road, loses in overtime to Illinois State, 76-66. Seneca Knight off the bench with 22 points for the Redbirds. Um, Bears really had, I think, what, four – Four players foul out in that one to let the overtime get away from them. So, um, a lot of good, a lot of good games this past week. Um, some good ones. You got any takeaways from this week's game? Do I, before I dive into this weekend's games? Uh, I think the well, yeah, I think UIC is by far the best of the lower tier teams. I know. I think Illinois State beat them. I say by far and. They don't have any crowds to help them in these home games. And Drake, you know, was winless in true road games before this. And we thought UIC was going to help us out to the ultimate in this one. But you're right. They have a lot of a lot of dogs on their team, uh, which will be tough. We don't even get them. We get we get them, I think, in February. And then at the very end, before Arch Madness, we're in Chicago. So we won't even see them for a little bit. But, yeah, I was watching Belmont, Valpo. Belmont just went away from them. You and I and Murray were a game of runs. And you're right. Bowen Bourne. Tough to stop. They're tough to stop at McLeod Center, as we recently have known. Uh, Bowen is definitely – if they remain this high and in the top half and, you know, flirting with the top four, he's he's definitely going to win it because he's averaging more points than anybody and leading a really, really young team to it. And then, uh, yeah, when Donovan Clay fouled out of that game against Illinois State, you knew it was over. They hit Kendall Lewis low on a on a play that he had an easy layup at the end of regulation that forced OT, and then they pulled away. We'll talk about them. We get we can't leave them open for threes. And then Bradley has won like I think they said like eighteen straight at Carver Arena. Evansville stood no shot anyway, but you can't lose by forty five points. I mean we we only when we were at third place we had a thirty something, and but it's nothing like this, and that is sad. You're right, them and Valpo. I think Valpo is like. Seems head, I say head and shoulder just because they have better true players. I think Valpo will sweep Evansville this year. I don't know if Evansville will win a game. I really don't. We know we will see them coming up, um, which I wanted to say because I don't know if you mentioned in that moment that was an enormous win for us that puts everybody on that puts us, you know, puts a, almost a target on our back now that we did this. This one of the you mentioned the game here of their next game, but then yeah, they then they host Bradley, they're at Murray, they're at Drake, and then they host you and I. So easily could go two and three or worse or a little better. You never know, but just because they're getting into the heat now of their tough games and we'll see what they're made of. So go ahead. 
Yeah, then this weekend's games, you got a got a bunch of them. Um, UIC at Murray State. Murray State, eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home with the over-under of 139. Um, I think UIC can go on the road, and the way the style of defense they play, I think they can cover that eight-and-a-half. Then Valpo um, – no, sorry. Let's see. No, I was just – because I'd forgotten them. I was looking at something. But, yeah, if we're, if we're picking, we'll make our picks. Yeah, Murray – that's – I don't know. I don't know how UIC is on the road. But Murray's so good at home. That's a big spread, though. I'll say – they match up athletically, and Murray's not deep. I'll say UIC plus eight and a half, but I think Murray does win. Then Valpo, the game of the weekend, Valpo is at Evansville. Who gets their first win? Valpo on the road. Tells you how bad Evansville is. Valpo is a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Um, I think Valpo, with Cricky and King, they can beat Evansville pretty easily. I wonder what the, where the money's going to be in on that. That's going to hit. Yeah, they're going. I think they're going to kill them. They don't have a matchup for for Cricky and King, so that'll that'll be a blowout. I'll start with the next one, and then I'll let you dive in the last two so we don't keep going back and forth. Yeah, you and I at Belmont. Belmont's four and a half point favorites at home. We talked about you and I is almost unbeatable at home unless they play Missouri State, which so many things have flip flopped now. But four and a half's large. I honestly think they can do that. I think you and I with their pack line defense that we saw, but Belmont is really good uh, offensively. I think it's tough. That's actually a perfect spread. I'll say Belmont covers that barely, but it's like a five to six to seven point win at home against you and I. Who you got? Yeah, I think the trip down to Nashville might be a little bit too much for you and I. I think uh what where they're at yeah, where they're at in the standings, I think uh a trip down to Belmont may not be too nice to them. Um I think Belmont can cover that at home. Then Bradley and Drake, the game the real game of the weekend probably. Um it's a pick 'em right now. I think Drake wins at home. If this was at Carver it'd be a different story. Yes, and Drake is – these two teams are terrible on the road, but they're great at home. And yeah, I think Drake covers that and wins, although it will – it's on ESPNU. It will be the game of the weekend, no doubt. People should be glued to this. These are the two top teams picked, finally facing off. They think they're going to end up being there at the end because they scheduled them for the last game of the year at Carver Arena to maybe decide a – regular season title that's how they set it up so it will be a marquee game you're right to pick them I'll, I'll take drake but i'll take a close game but brad again brad, bad road team against a good home team it could get out of hand just because you just never know bradley got killed at murray state without jamari smith so anything can happen i suppose and then on sunday to finish it out with those sycamores we mentioned and the, to start this tough stretch at missouri state missouri state's weird they're struggling they shouldn't have lost that illinois state game they have the tools mentioned. They found out they lost the on the portal. We'll get to, they have some injuries. They're weird, but they can win. And there's no, no spread in this game yet, Noah, but Indiana state going on the road to face these top half teams. Now, I think because Missouri state is struggling. I do think out of the multiple hard games they have, Indiana state can squeak by and get this win, but I think it's close because we'll see how they react. And we know Springfield's always a tough place to play. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you saw Drake go on the road there and only score 49 points. So, um, I know the guys on uh, the guys on March the Arts don't think that game will be close. I think the Sycamores will take care of business. I'm not sure if that's that easy to say because we know playing at Missouri State can be a tough one. So, 
be interesting. I think trees can squeak by on the road, though. We'd we'd like to see the Bears take care of business for us. Yeah, we'll be scoreboard watching all around because we got now easier games for us, quote unquote. Tomorrow's won't be as easy, but yeah, seeing how these other teams fare in their tough stretches, we'll definitely be scoreboard watching. So quickly through the standings, Indiana State did have that two game lead on everybody. Uh, so they're six and one now. There's four, five, and two teams, us, Belmont, Bradley, you and I. Three, four, and threes, Missouri State, Drake, and Murray. Illinois State's the only three and four team. UIC, one and six, and Valpo and Evans, who are 0-7, fighting for the first win there. So that's what it looks like. Uh, one of the real th- – like I said, we're, we're putting ourselves in great spot with splitting with a lot of these teams and getting the one sole win against Belmont, who's obviously this high. And we'll see how these teams fare. You and I might drop. We'll see. A lot of things can happen. There's 12 games left to figure this thing out. So, no, I think any the only other thing I had around the Valley is I touched on it. You talked about it earlier. Jonathan Dunn, we know a heralded freshman that went to Missouri State in this good class they've had. They said they're a redshirting him this year, and obviously he's he's not he's not down with that anymore. He's tired of sitting out. No, he's entered the portal, and we know he was like I said, heralded coming out. He could have went to a lot of bigger schools. He stayed home. This is someone I think we need to be on the phone with. I'm not sure if we will, but I think it, it's worth a shot. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, a guy that's coming in there with that kind of talent, able to register it with that kind of body type. Um, I think at a high school, two biggest offers he had, I think Mizzou offered him a Texas Tech, but he stayed local. Um, so that's that's a shame to see, even though a body type like that with the guys, that just tells you the how much transfer portal talent they have. They're having the redshirt guys. Um, kind of crazy. NJ Benson, our local guy, is getting in getting in over him. I thought he'd play a little bit this year, but yeah, sucks to see. Then other than that, around the valley news wise, um, I think I've seen where uh David Ragland will be redshirting all of their freshmen, Xavion Ch- Chamoco, Logan McIntyre, Matias Maklavec, and Cameron Galhausen will be all redshirting. Then, like I said earlier, uh, Saku Cali and Gabe Smelly both day-to-day. So um, not a lot else news-wise, injuries or anything around the Valley. Back to Dunn, because it's weird. They've had Matthew Lee out for the year, Carper out for the year, pretty much. And you would think we're just having extra bodies, like how we said with last year dealing with injuries and struggles that we throw the red shirt off some of those guys to help us in the moment. Clearly, Dana doesn't think that. And he does play a position that they already have healthy around their team. So I guess it'd just be adding to that. But it's just strange. He he would be too good. To, like some guys, you just know are just too good to redshirt, maybe. And but they see him in practice to know if it's worthy or not. So, um, yeah, nothing else. You're right. It is Brian's birthday today. Did see that. I'm not sure. We know he's still really young. He's. Remember years ago he was on the under forty coaches and just knowing that he's not even forty yet, it's insane. Still, it's his birthday. I think the dog pound did something for him. Gave him a plaque and stuff for his birthday here. So that's just notable on the day itself. And then uh, I think there was something else. I'll just jump to it quick before we get into other things. And then Illinois State, uh, clearly I, I talked about, you know, the Highland Tournament and Kennard will be experienced almost already a week ago tomorrow, which is crazy. 
Uh, just an update on Kennard. He is playing tonight. Maybe we can see some information. It was a it was a scheduled change, but he plays at seven tonight. Varsity at at home against McClure North. Talked about it. I mean, you know what? Since you weren't here yet, I'll then you can and then we'll move on here. Your thoughts on what you saw from? I know there was a lot of other sports going on. We were streaming, keeping up with uh, during his game, which was the matinee. I mentioned we saw Maman. Your thoughts on Kennard? Clearly, and we saw about Dunn there. Dunn might be too good to redshirt. Our freshmen historically now recently have redshirted for the most part that hopefully Kennard, if he gets thrown in here, he's the kind of player that wouldn't require it, but your thoughts and finally seeing him in person last Saturday. Yeah, definitely think um, I like what he can bring to the table. He's going to be that athletic wing. Um, we've really been wanting, he can shoot it a little bit um, from the three point line. He'll have to work on that a little bit, but the athleticism and overall, I mean, there's moments in that game I saw where Kennard could demand the ball and he could go take somebody one-on-one, but he's, he was moving the ball. He's got some younger players on his team. Um, I liked what I saw. I love what he's going to bring to this program. I think he can be really good. Um, uh, three, maybe uh, both ways off, especially defensively with his length and athleticism. So excited about him. Yeah. I think um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, with the COVID years, who uses what, who we can bring in. We know we have one spot left um, with Jawan. I think if everybody comes back, I think we have one spot left, I believe. So depends who we bring in in the portal. If we bring in another wing that can make an in- instant impact, maybe you see him, um, maybe see some other guys, which is possible at this point. I think you could see some guys exit this program, look for another bigger opportunities elsewhere. Exactly. Anything can happen. So we weren't not going to dive into it clearly at the heart of, you know, this conference season and up to where we want to be this year. Not even I in any of that, but we did talk earlier, Noah, about what our senior night could look like. We're not going to talk about it yet. Just a sneak peek of who's going to be in it. What's going to happen, obviously, with options for a lot of those players next year, a lot of seniors and whoever takes, you know, the fifth year opportunity. We know players that should. Uh, some players that wouldn't that would open up those spots that Kennard does fit right in within Jawan's spot next year. Yeah, I like I like Kennard's defense is already there. He went like one of three from the line. He's making his free throws. He, more work, and he'll be. I mean, he was almost already there anyway. So really excited and glad we watched him play last weekend. So we'll we'll tweet or talk about it next week of what he did uh, in tonight's game if we get those stats. And then Noah, before we get into Illinois State, I wanted to dive into. The G League Salukis, hashtag Pro Salukis that the main account's been using, but I feel like they haven't even been paying attention to what's going on. We have recently, and all that's because the Windy City Bulls face the Long Island Nets. I talked about it on the preview. Obviously, Cash is on the Windy City Bulls. Kavion is on the Long Island Nets. Good to see him back in the States, as I talked about. And they faced off again. They did in the previous matchup. Off the top of my head here, when I'm on this game, not sure how the first game went. But Cash showed out in this game. It was a close game, a three-point win by the Windy City Bulls. It's ironic that they're facing off with one another. You know, with Cash, he had a lot of – Javon Freeman Liberty, of course, you know. He's on that team. We talked about it at the start when we found out Cash was on here. All these Chicago boys back. We know Malcolm Hill's on this team. He didn't play in this game. They have a nice team. JFL at 26. That's not surprising. But Noah Cash, 16. He was 5 of 10 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3. And did a couple other things. Great to see him score. And I mentioned how they're one call away because on the net side of things, they called up, you know, Dayron Sharp and a couple other talented young guys they have. Um, 
that that is just one call away. And we know Kavion, who they were posting about, he's been all over the place on their social media, honestly. He played nine minutes in this game, had only four points, four rebounds, and two of four from the field. He does back up Dayron Sharp, who plays a lot more minutes. But, no, again, your thoughts on this, because it's great to see Kavion back in the States. We're honestly surprised, because we, were, we weren't sure what he was doing and what team he was on or what he's been up to. And there was a point we thought Cash wasn't even on the Windy City Bulls anymore. We weren't seeing him on things. I mentioned Armand's not on the roster, which stinks. But, no, again, one call away to being – to get these guys in the league, which we talked about, the mural in the arena could change because it's not going to change otherwise. We get these guys in there because also eight because other people are on the valley. AJ Green had 15 points against the Heat last night for the Bucks, so other teams are getting in, and we're ever so close to this. It's great to see them play in the irony that they're playing each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, seeing Cash um, get get a chance. I mean, that's pretty cool. Being back near his hometown, I mean, um, I made the joke the other day to one of my buddies that's a Bulls fan. I said, I wish your Bulls would blow it up so you guys could call up cash and get him get a chance to play in the league. But um, we know guys are getting opportunities. We know Drew Smith that was on the Heat's G League team um, got signed by the Brooklyn Nets today, so um, former Evansville player. So there's guys all – all, all around the G League from the Valley, like you said, A.J. Green got his opportunity last night. He feel like he's going to make an impact for the Bucks. at the end of the day. He'll come in and hit clutch shots, hopefully, in the playoffs. Um, yeah, it sucks that Armand got put on waivers, I think, a couple like a month ago. So, sucks seeing him because I think he was like a second-round pick in their develop, developmental draft um, that he couldn't cut it. Um, but, yeah, Big time seeing Cash and KB on. Um, doubt they really know each other. I wonder if they even talk to each other um, since they maybe know the, know each other's name since they went to SIU. So pretty cool to see. Excited for them. Um, just I know uh, – I just know uh, another Valley, just thinking of other Valley news. I've seen um, Kyle Corver uh, was – named assistant GM today for the Hawks. So I thought that was pretty cool. So um, a lot of things happening, but yeah, big time, big time games for cash right now. He's playing pretty well. That's what he did for us. So he's bringing that three pointer, three point game. Um, I'd like to, I know some, for sometimes they, uh, I see on either ESPN two or ESPN U or sometimes NBA TV, they put, um, G League games on. I'm hoping the Windy City Bulls can get on at some point here. It's ironic about those guys, too, is which that's good for Kyle Corver, no doubt. I saw that earlier as well. The irony of those three former Salukis, though, is if we added any of them to this current team, that we'd be even better than we are. We talked about, I wonder if Armand's got any other eligibility. He doesn't, but could use him on this team and Cash as well at that kind of position. And we know KV on in his day could throw him in at center here, even with our three good bigs we have now and, and could thrive. So that is hard to fathom because that stinks because, yeah, like I said, we could use a lot of those guys. So it's good to see. Yeah, we'll, keep, we'll keep in touch with them. Yeah, that game was on ESPN Plus, but it was the night we played, so wasn't able to keep up with it as much or even try to watch it. So with that being said, now, no, let's talk about our first matchup here with the Redbirds. Um, it is – we do have a spread. We'll get to that at the very end. It's a big one. We are hosting them. Let's dive into 
the let's see here the matchup this is this is definitely and it mentions in here one of the oldest rivals that we have we talked about how we don't, we're not going to get them in football the next two years which makes no sense uh but they come to town for the 164th meeting between the two we lead the all-time series 85 to 78 so it's pretty close winning the last three as we know we swept them last year when we beat all the bottom the bottom half teams and we've won six of the last seven. We're 52 and 20 at home against them. We're not too good on the road at 26 and 50, uh, seven and eight on neutral courts. I don't know where those could be played at. And we know that they played that home game against SIUE, which would have been great to have. That's not really a neutral, but it would have been great to play there and watch a game there. And uh, we're five and five against them. We match up in, at Arch Madness and Brian five and one in his career against them with that lone loss coming in the COVID year at home when we struggled that season. Now, we'll dive into what they've gone through this year. They've been playing a little better. Dive into their road up to this point, and then we'll get into the personnel that everybody knows for the most part, but we know a new coach and everything. They got some new players. We'll dive into it all. Yeah, Coach Peden um, has got a decent roster here. I mean, 8-10 and 10 overall. Um, they're 3-2 and two on the road. They're 3-4 and four in the Valley right now, so – um, they have a couple decent wins. I know they had a home and home against Northwestern State. They won on the road at Northwestern State, then lost at home against them. Um, Northwestern State went on to knock off, uh, I think, was it Baylor or somebody, one of the bigger schools. Um, yeah. Somebody, maybe TCU off the top of my head, but they did beat SAUE, which is, I wish we played them this year, but a pretty good ball club. I mean, They've used a lot of different rotations. Um, I think they've trying to find that mix, which we haven't done. We've been starting slow, so they've used nine different lineups, line nine different lineup combinations in eighteen games, which is the eighth most in the country. Um, so they they've been finding it, um, trying to find that guy. They've had a lot of leading different scores. I think seven different players who have led them in scoring at one point. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I'd like to see what kind of matchups they use tomorrow night. Um, but obviously they're led by um, senior forward Kendall Lewis. Um, he's one of the top – he's one of two players in the Division One with at least 17 blocks, 25 assists, and 31 steals, and 200 points this season. So he really does it all for them. Um, hopefully he's not one of those guys that is a lockdown on Marcus Damask. Um, because that would just make this game even closer. Um, junior guard Malachi Poindock, Poindexter, the Virginia transfer, um, he's made 25 consecutive free throws, so we do not be – you'll probably dive into some stats, but do not need to be fouling this team. So leading sc- their seventh leading scorer is Luke Kazabuke. A lot of people know him. We've tried getting him multiple times, but haven't yet. So a lot of different guys on this team that could hurt us. Yeah, Luke, as we know, went to Chaminade, great player, went to Kansas State with Bruce, entered the portal, and I just remember where we were playing golf in the moment we found out that he was here. It was like late April we found out that he was coming here, and we know the ties with Peden, which Peden got hired right after they lost in the Arch Madness when Dan Muller was watching on the sidelines, and they hired Peden right after – can't think of what their interim coach's name was, but as soon as they lost, they hired Ryan Peden, which we know came from Ohio State – 
it was a big time hire out of nowhere. And the reason why Luke went here was because, yeah, and Ryan talked about how he recruited him to Ohio State before he went to Kansas State at the beginning. But, um, yeah, going back to their – I mean, looking at some of these games, I mean, they do have some nice wins. When they beat Eastern Michigan, who has Imani Bates, Eastern Michigan had a big win against somebody, what was it, Michigan and themselves. or And they beat SIUE, who beat SLU, which no one else could do. That was the game at that historic place, a great place to watch. They, they've beaten some good teams. They've lost some bad games. Uh, but, you know, they, they did lose to UIC. I thought they won, but they did only lose to Murray at their place by three in overtime. They did beat Belmont to start. That was at home, beat them by 10 at the start of December. But they haven't really gotten blown out too much, but they, they stay in games. And, you know, we see some Illinois State, Illinois State fans talking about, and it's Baker on March to the Arch talking about how this is kind of like a, a one of those seasons where no matter what happens, this is like a – whatever the word he used, that it's just a, a season to get through until you move on. This is just the beginning year kind of, and that's how they're looking at it, which we know they can compete. And, and, and the fact that, and this brings me back. No, when we were watching them at the, watching the basketball team, they were at the football game and they were given our, they were getting FSU football, something to, they were just in their ear a ton talking some crap over there. So we noted that on October 1st and when we'd see them in conference. So it's, it's it's awesome knowing that that time has come. We get them at our place. I don't think there's going to be any of our football players there to give them crap there in our dog pound. But, yeah, quality team. Peden is a good coach. Uh, and they got some other guys, some more of their personnel here. We know Seneca Knight, and you're going to dive into it more. I know Seneca Knight, uh, who has been turned on or been turning it on for them a lot. Lately, them and Luke, those are the big-time guys they've added. Noah Jaden Johnson, we know – was there as a walk-on, right, or just on scholarship, never played, Let tried to leave in the portal, returned, but he's been playing a little bit. They added some other guards. Dive into more of the personnel, and then I will get into some of those stats. Yeah, they got some They got some pretty good guards on their lineup. I mean, Darius Burford um, averaging 11 a game for them, four rebounds and two assists. I mean, he's a tough guard. You got. We're going to have to uh, – I think he'll be a matchup for – X, um, then I think, like I said, Malachi Poindexter, 6'2". I think this will be a Lance's matchup. He's averaging nine and a half, two and two. Um, like I said, he was a walk-on at Virginia, and Peden got him to tr- – he entered the portal, and Peden got him. Um, Kendall Lewis is going to be Marcus's matchup most likely. Um, McChesney getting some foul trouble, so they've kind of moved him to the bench. They started Hirono Sissoko the other night, only ended up playing like six minutes. So he's like – he started, but then there's Colton Sandage, the Western Illinois transfer we were in on, uh, started his career at Vincennes, got to see him play John A. a lot, uh, mentioned Luke. Um, Joe Petrakis, a Western Carolina guy we were in on, has not played recent much recently, but he also – I mean, if he, he's, he can do some things – um, as a big stretch the floor a little bit, Ryan Schmidt, who was big for them, a Juco guy last year, um, only played in five games this year. So, um, Austin Andrews and guy, they got to cut back and cut a lot of weight. Um, really impressed with his size last year, things that he could turn into has not played very much either. So, um, interesting to see what kind of lineup they go against SIU. Um, maybe they do try to go that, that, uh, Maybe a Seneca Knight over Luke. I don't know. Going to be impressive. They can score the ball pretty well. 
Um, Sand is struggling recently, but if you leave him open, he's going to knock it down. Same with Luke. And uh, Poindexter and Burford can knock it down as well. Kendall Lewis doesn't step outside much. Uh, Seneca doesn't either, but going to be interesting. Um, a lot of things that happen could go wrong for us. I think it'll be closer than people think because um, obviously besides last year when we beat them in February 90-69, to 69, I don't think it's going to be anything like that. I hope it is. That means we started – and almost probably played a 40-minute ball game, but going to be an interesting matchup tomorrow night. Yeah, and they're not bad. I mean, I, I think UIC and them are by far the two of the best, you know, bottom-tier teams. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're deep. I mean, the fact that they're, they only have guys, barely barely anybody playing over 30 minutes. I mean, Poindexter and Lewis play about the exact same at 30.8, so they manage their minutes well. You mentioned – Kendall Lewis on Marcus is a problem. I mean, Kendall has been a problem for a couple of years, and the fact that he's just getting better and better, he's leading them in almost every statistical category. Uh, they will be a problem. And I, you just notice when you watch them play, they will hit open threes if you give it to them. And uh, Luke loves to live in the corner. And Poindexter, you mentioned from the free throw line that he can make threes. McChesney, I think, exploded for a 20-something point game at one point. They were playing really – at the Murray game, he did really well. Burford is new and playing. Yeah. So, they, I mean, they're, they're nice. I don't think we should definitely take them lightly at all, even though no matter how bad, you know, they say people are playing, but they did beat Missouri state who is a top half team did struggle in that game, but they did get that when I mentioned some of the other, I mean, they're just solid to be honest. And some of these stats. Yeah. The biggest things they do is you mentioned Poindexter making however many free throws in a row. That's what they do best as a team. They're like top 25 or top 20 in the country and team free throw percentage, they lead the Valley. They're at 81% as a team, which the next closest is Indiana State at 75. Uh, they do do that, but the counter of free – so don't found, don't get them in the bonus. Don't have stupid fouls. That's, that's one of the biggest points, but they also turn it over. They turn it over at a close to 15 per game. We're tied for second with UIC with about 13.4, but just the fact that Illinois State will turn it over, however it happens, who knows, but but just the fact – and it's just the irony. You mentioned Petrakis and Sanders, just guys we are, we're always in. The irony of this year with teams that we're familiar with or play, that guys that we're in on go to, it's just crazy, but – they, do, they will go deep, whether those – I mean, Sandage has popped off for, for tons of points in a game, and they'll beat you in a lot of different ways. I mentioned you can't leave them open. but So they make free – they don't – I mean, they score in the 66s just like us, comparing the teams themselves real fast. about I think they, they do rebound better than us. We know Kendall is a great rebounder. Um, they do block more – they're one of the top of the uh, teams in the conference in blocks. They don't steal as much as us, but they do get, like I said, two, over two rebounds more. They don't really move the ball. They're really, you know, they're not ISO ball, but they don't really pass and connect on assist for the most part. They shoot 43% from the field, and they allow more points than they score. So defensively, they're not great. They do make free throws. They can rebound, and they will turn it over. Those are the biggest things. So um, so those are the biggest things to watch, I think, for, for a night tomorrow night that hopefully our crowd can show up for. So, Noah, quickly – into these picks here, 83.8%, uh, the matchup predictor has us winning. And we were just talking because we didn't know when it would pop up, pop up because usually like 24 hours-ish before. We do have a spread, and it is 11 and a half. We talked about 
uh, we I think we were saying, or I just remember saying, like maybe the sixes, the sevens, the eights. It's not that surprising seeing this, uh, but they are one of the few teams, one of the three teams that do have a above five hundred record on the road. So they're not bad in that aspect. No, that's pretty high. What do you have us in that? The over-unders, 122. Take us through your predictions with that and then your final thoughts. Yeah, definitely think um, – I don't think we can cover that. I would like to – a comfortable win here. I think the comfortable win may come next week against Evansville. But, um, yeah, I think they will cover that. Um, I think it could end up maybe an eight, nine-point win like it did on the road Wednesday night. But um, I'll take the over, though, in this game. And both teams are scoring about 66, right at 66 um, a game. So I think we can hit the over here. Um, going to be interesting. Kind of kind of interesting to see what Peden does matchup-wise, see who he starts. Because, like I said, he changes it so much. So um seems like he's really a matchup-based coach, trying to find that right combination of players um, to fix it. They've won two in a row here, so um, let's make sure it's not three. Um, if I were to go to with a dog of the game um, here, I think I think I think I'm gonna go with Troy. I think Troy can come in at times. I think he's maybe like he did Wednesday night to be a perfect matchup um, against Kendall Lewis with his size and may get in a little bit of foul trouble. I think he got a little bit. Wednesday night, but I think Troy can come in here. Maybe that's the lineup change Brian could go with, but it's going to be interesting. I think I think Marcus could perfectly slide to the three and guard a Luke or something like that, depending what it may be a Seneca. Not sure, but depending on who they start, I think you could start Troy. Maybe that's the lineup change we see. Yeah, I know, and hoping we do. Like I said, we probably won't. But I like your Troy pick because, yeah, if he can come in and guard Cameron Henry, fine. He matches up really well with Kendall that if you take that load off Marcus having to guard him, if need be. They did start – you mentioned they, they do switch it up a lot. So you could see McChesney in there or Seneca. But they did have Lewis, Sissoko, Buford, Poindexter, and Luke. So, yeah, matching up in that aspect. We'll probably see Trent still on the starting five. And if I were to pick a dog of the game, you know, we always pick the same kind of guys. I love the Troy pick. And it's like that kind of role player and, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, I guess Sandage is the only guard. They have Seneca as a guard, but he's really not, I guess. He's he's a tall guard. So I was going to say like Dalton maybe, even though I, I want to say, and I'm just going to say because if it can flip something of how we've been talking about him, that if Trent can get a couple threes in this game, I think I mentioned that one does not guard well. He could get open a couple times and hit these threes at home which we have in a lot of home games, and he hasn't made them. But I think in this game he'll make a couple. I don't think he'll maybe play over 10 minutes. If he makes some threes, maybe that'll change. I'll go with Trent just outside the box because this should be a game we can handle. I do think that spread is a little too high. Yeah, keep it within 10 points. Don't have any scares. Anything can happen. If they hit some threes and get some offensive boards, they can ride some momentum. Uh, so that's the biggest thing. They do have nice players, as we've said. So, again, Noah, quickly, final thoughts on this one. Yeah, definitely a game you want to uh, take advantage of that win um, from Wednesday night to get two in a row here going, especially with Evansville is coming up. So um, if you can start getting another win streak going, start maybe looking at the Valley standings and we could potentially this weekend get some help 
some other places. Maybe we can start jumping. Maybe Indiana State will be tied with them um, after this weekend. We can hope for that. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be a big one. Interesting. I lo- uh, love seeing some guys that we have followed for a long time with Sandage at Vincennes, watching him play there. Luke following him all the way through high school, hoping we can land him through the portal. So, um, Kendall Lewis, even going back to the Barry days, we were in on him coming out of high school. He went to App State and said now he's at Illinois State. Yep. So a lot of guys we know and uh, have followed. Like to see what how Peden does as a coach. Get to see him in person. So it's going to be an exciting one. I hope it's a good crowd. Seven dollar tickets. Not sure. I assume that runs through the end of tonight. So use the promo code seven online to get seven dollar tickets. Hopefully it's a good crowd because. You made you made that tweet yesterday when our community wants to we can show out and be a really good crowd, especially against an in-state rival like Illinois State. Exactly, and I would honestly expect Illinois State to have some fans there potentially. They kind of do every every year, and it is definitely a rivalry. So we're definitely hoping people show out. And yeah, we've set ourselves up really nicely at this point to have two favorable home games to get our record maybe to seven and two with other teams having tough matchups. I mean, we just need definitely need to just take care of business, but of the two coming up, definitely this one will be the toughest looking forward to it. Seven o'clock ESPN plus game against our rival. You mentioned, yeah, it's going to be fun seeing some of these players in person. Won't be easy looking forward to it. So for Nate Malone, no alerts until next time, as always, see you at Ben Terra center tomorrow night. Go dogs.